0: Hey Chelsea fans, it's your emotional host of Chelsea Mic'd Up, Mike Ryan Ruiz. I am here in an empty room with nothing but a Zola jersey as I am moving out of my home. And this is kind of bittersweet for me. It's a final episode of Chelsea Mic'd Up of the season. It's a final episode of Chelsea mic Up in my home office as I head towards a transition to bright new horizons in a new home. Kind of like Chelsea, exciting things on the horizon. Can you tell how little I want to talk about that drubbing at the hands of Bayern Munich? I promise you we'll get into it briefly briefly we will talk about Willian, and his departure what that means for this club and we will concentrate on the future because there are so many things to be excited about as a chelsea supporter chris whittingham the neutral observer and i will guide you through it let's go all right chelsea supporters we did it we inched across the line some of us heavier than we were before this season started. I know I speak for myself there. Some of us wearing the most recent year of not just our lives, but Chelsea football support. It was a roller coaster year, a year that was unprecedented in so many ways. A transitional year. We close the book on one season and a Chelsea career in Willian and in Pedro, and we Look towards the horizon for the numerous exciting things that are happening to this club. I am already rationalizing an aggregate beatdown at the hands of Bayern Munich. <laughs> How so, Hello? Mike? Chris, I, uh, I was on a, on a remote island on a vacation that I had booked before all this madness started, not anticipating that I would be watching Champions League football. Now, it was a bit of a romantic getaway. I watched Champions League football, from a copper tub overlooking the ocean. Oh, that's nice. It's a nice way to be handed your A,
1: <laughs> <laughs> a copper tub I've never heard of a copper tub before. That's I sounds mean it's lovely. perfect
0: it's perfect for the outdoors, Chris Whittingham. Look, Byron are a very good team. Yeah. <laughs> Byron My are a very God. good team and I think we were all sort of hoping for Chelsea to make it interesting and they they kind of did right before the break with Tammy Abraham. Still allowing us Chelsea fans who might have been watching from a copper tub in the keys (laughs) somewhere. uh, Gave them a reason to hope and watch a second half of football. But Bayern Munich are, are too good. They are at their apex right now. Even after a little bit of a layoff. No real sign of a letdown from them. No real rust that was discernible. Not that Chelsea really put up much of a fight. But look, that starting 11... That was the best that Chelsea could have possibly brought, considering the circumstances with all the injuries and all the suspensions. I don't want to bury my head in my hands and harp on that. I think we all know that's not up to Chelsea's standard. Look, that was not up to Chelsea's standard pre-Roman Abramovich. Losing in aggregate 7-1, it's an embarrassment for anybody especially for a club like Chelsea that have European trophies to their name. But I think everyone realizes that this was the end of an era. It was cool how Chelsea went about doing it, Chris, because you had holdovers. It would have been cool to see Eden Hazard ride out with one more season with this group of youngsters to fully hand the baton over. But you had guys like William Olivier Giroud, who's sticking around. Willie Caballero says our Espeliqueta, you had some of these veteran players that were a part of some really great, important Chelsea teams here for this transition, this youth movement at the club that many fans have been dying for. It's a credit to the leaders on this team, and we're going to get into William's time with the club, but Chelsea don't make it to Europe. This is not a mission accomplished year. This is not a positive year without contributions from the veteran players, especially William,
1: And we'll get to his sort of full eulogy. It was confirmed that he's off to another club, most likely Arsenal. Maybe even by the time this episode posts, it will indeed be confirmed that he's off to Arsenal. But as you said, that transition period can be really hard. And that's why I think a manager like Frank Lampard is really important to kind of keep the Chelsea tradition going in some way, because... You sent me a picture earlier today. It was kind of end of an era, and Willian was the only player that was in an otherwise black and white photo. And it was you know Matic and Terry and Cahill and all the players that have kind of been the backbone of the team for the last decade. And Willian is the last of that team to go. And so there is something, there is a character about those Chelsea teams and the way that they carried themselves and the way that they played that is kind of going away with the departure of Willian. You're moving into a new era. If Havertz has eventually come in, you have Havertz, you have Werner, you have Ziyech, you have Pulisic. It's, it's, it's kind of an entirely different group than the one that was kind of built for Antonio Conte, Jose Mourinho-style team. So... This is a very difficult transition season to piece this all together without a full transfer window. And as you said, those veterans, those 30-plus-year-old players, which generally are not relied upon at this level, were really important. And Espilly is kind of like the last major component of the team that is still of that generation.
0: I've read a lot of articles on William's time here and flatly, Like, you can point to several moments in this season. Do Chelsea finish fourth without Alonso at Bournemouth? putting the team on his back. Do Chelsea finish fourth without Williams' brace at Tottenham? There are so many moments in the season when you have such a a dramatic top four chase that you. I love doing that at the end of the season. Man, Zuma's diving uh, save against Crystal Palace. There's so many of those moments in a season that's so tightly contested like this. But Willian took that number 10 shirt from Eden Hazard this season. And in moments, look, the thing with William has always been consistency. Well, post-restart, when he was fit out there opposite of Christian Pulisic, he was consistent for you. He was important for you. He was winning you games. He was salting games away, which is <laughs> almost as important when you're at the likes of Crystal Palace and you're hanging on for your dear life in the final five minutes. William's contributions to this team over the years, and not just this year, because this year we entered and Chelsea Twitter and segments of Chelsea Twitter. Thank God they've learned their lesson, because I think there's a general cooling of the heads in regards to Chelsea Twitter. But William was one of these polarizing players. He crosses over no one and he holds up play. I think throughout his tenure, just generally underappreciated. And I, I forget, I wish I could give the author of this article that I read some of the credit William's biggest sin during his time at Chelsea was that he wasn't Ed Hazard. He was playing alongside one of the greatest players in Chelsea history, one of the greatest players of his generation. Every coach that has coached William has the best things to say about William. Every teammate of Williams has the best things to say about Williams. He's an unselfish player considering the talent that he has. He's a true number 10, and he plays with Brazilian flair. For him to actually sit back and say, yeah, Eden, you go. And at times, especially against Tottenham, to rise (laughs) to the occasion, William was a brilliant signing from the jump with Chelsea. Tottenham bought his airplane tickets and he spurned them. He spurned Spurs and signed for Chelsea. And he was a very productive player for Chelsea. A very good signing. I know he's going, in all likelihood, to another London team, to Arsenal. A weird market. Arsenal have cornered recently with aging Chelsea players but (laughs) there's going to be banter for days as there always is between the two clubs but as I did with David Luiz who actually if I were to say anything bad about a player would be giving up on this team right before the season and then going to Arsenal I've seen David Luiz operate I've seen him take players under his wing and I've seen him be an absolute professional and William was an absolute professional this year and hugely important I'm glad he got the third year for him. He's an English citizen. It seemed as though in London was important to him. I don't wish him well against Chelsea, but outside of that, God bless. He's been a great player.
1: I'm kind of glad that he got to stay at Chelsea for a while and be such a regular starter and contributor because now we can look at his career at the end of it and realize just how big that impact is. 339 appearances, 63 goals. Only Lucas Leiva in the history of the Premier League has had more appearances as a Brazilian, which when you consider the history of Brazilian soccer is incredible. He won 68 caps with Chelsea. He's won five major trophies with Chelsea. And it's good that After all the years, as you said, of him being talked about as inconsistent, not delivering enough, not being a star enough player, that at the end of his career, he got to kind of be the star player for one season. And also, you look back at a seven-year career, the accumulation of things that he's done, and go, wow, this has been an incredible servant of this football club.
0: Yeah, and I don't mean to ignore Pedro's contributions, because Pedro, he's won everything that he's been up for in Europe, and he was a rotational player. William was counted on as a player. Look, there was a, a lean Chelsea year there, where William was one of the best players on the planet, especially from set pieces, from the moment he joined Chelsea, uh, once again, choosing Chelsea over Tottenham, that brilliant goal, his very first appearance for Chelsea, I believe it was against Norwich City, an absolute worldie. And I, I think I-, I speak for most Chelsea fans, we're not watching a lot of Russian Premier League soccer, right? <laughs> I-, I-, I saw this name, Willian, attached to certain teams in the Premier League, and I just wanted them to keep him away from other teams. I did. I had no idea the player that we were getting. A quality player with really, really cool weapons at his disposal. A pace that never let up. He still has the legs, Chris Whittingham. He's going to Arsenal right now as a player that's still one of the quickest in the Premier League in terms of straight line speed. Very interesting decision. And let's actually transition to that. Because Arsenal came out with the uh, club statement admitting that uh, the pandemic has been tough on their economics The fact that no fans are allowed in the stadium, that's been tough. They've had to furlough some workers over there at Arsenal. They've been citing the economics of all of this, and then they turn around and sign William. And this is not a banter thing. I understand different clubs operate differently, but allow me this opportunity to say that Chelsea have not only... Reinvested into the club and signed the likes of Timo Werner and Akeem Ziek and are in on the likes of Kai Havertz and have reportedly this three-year plan. This is just a beginning, baby. They didn't furlough anybody. They didn't take advantage of any government programs. They offered up the stadium grounds and its um, accommodations to first responders, top to bottom. Chelsea have had great PR, and they could just as easily say. We can't spend any money this year. Even after two windows go by without any signings, and even though the ZX one sort of falls in between that one, everyone would understand. Not Roman Abramovich. Not Roman Abramovich. Roman Abramovich goes for it. I'm so thankful to have this owner because when you look at it, compared to other Premier League teams, it's going to be slim pickings this summer. If you have a marquee signing, it's going to be one. Chelsea have already had two and are in line for a third, Chris.
1: And as you said, Marquee signings will then be scrutinized by those other clubs. Spurs were talking about economic issues, and then they're kind of if they get go and get linked with a big money move, then it's what are you doing? You're talking about taking advantage. Liverpool, the same thing. There have been clubs that have talked publicly about their economic situations, and then it's so tone deaf to then on the on the backside of it go and sign players. Now, I don't think Willian is necessarily hugely offensive to me because it's a free transfer. His salary is roughly in line with what your big time Premier League player would make. It's not exorbitant. Uh, So it's not that big of a deal to me. Now, if they go and pay 50 million for Thomas Partey of Atletico Madrid, then it's like, well, what what are we talking about here? Like, why are you laying off people? And ultimately, Chelsea fans don't have to reckon with the football club going out and making signings because they haven't. And it's not just about PR. It's about doing the right thing, right? Mm-hmm. They've consistently done the right thing at every available opportunity and allows them to operate freely as a football club that maybe will spend a few hundred million pounds this offseason.
0: Have we uh, appropriately um, swept the Bayern Munich result under the rug yet? <laughs> Chris <laughs> can, can
1: I, I I feel like I haven't had the chance to weigh in on it. I actually, <laughs> like, I don't think it was that bad. Like, the performance individually wasn't that bad. As you said 7-1. It's bad, right? You never want to lose an aggregate tie like that. But Chelsea were down to like 16 fit senior players. They were a shell of the squad, whereas Bayern, well, you can talk about rest. It's also an opportunity to recharge for this Champions League. And I think you kind of see, and Frank Lampard mentioned it, there are players out there on the pits that had 100 Champions League experiences, uh, appearances to their name. We have first-timers for the most part throughout this squad. And I just think that you kind of got to see what ultimately is your aspiration. You want to be as good as Bayern Munich at some point. I would say right now they're the best club in Europe. And yeah. so that's kind of what you saw in the pitch that day is the gap you have to bridge. And I do think every once in a while, even though you're in the middle of a top four race and you're kind of focused narrowly on what's going on, you do have to take a step back and look at the bigger picture and say, well, this is ultimately what Chelsea want to be as a club and kind of how far away they
0: are and how much work they have to do. Look, without context... If I told you a year and a half ago, Chelsea are going to turn to Frank Lampard and they're going to finish fourth with no trophies. You'll be like, what? And what happened to Sarri? I thought things were going all right. They lose their best player in Eden Hazard. They have injuries to two promising attackers and Ruben Loftus-Cheek, who, what we saw this year, not remotely close to the player he was pre-injury and hopefully... With this little break such that it is, he can continue to get healthy. Same for Callum Hudson-Odoi, who was incredibly promising, and in that match was promising, had an absolute worldie, and dude, let me tell you something. When I'm (laughs) down 3-0 on aggregate, get the heck out of here with a two-goal swing on VAR. Hell of a parting shot for me in the final game of the season, Chris. You you, You don't
1: sound like a bitter gambler at all. (laughs)
0: <laughs> plus 480 but, to score plus 480 by the way
1: a uh, quick nugget on Callum Hudson-Odoi I saw this on uh, gold.com's write-up of the game he is the first teenager to start a Champions League knockout game for Chelsea since Glenn Johnson in 2004 did you know that Glenn Johnson played for Chelsea I didn't before uh, reading this article but I, I mean we really don't think of Hudson-Odoi as like Really young. like it, Last year when he burst out on the scene, he was such a novelty. He was young then, but now you just kind of think of him as part of the squad. It's still kind of remarkable how far... And how important he's been to this club in these last two years, even though he hasn't even turned 20 yet.
0: Yeah, and you had the storyline of him playing Bayern Munich, and Bayern Munich was interested in him and his agent leveraging that, which leads me to Willian's agent, who was publicly leveraging, and it kind of felt like he was blowing smoke until it was actually real. By the way, I think I speak for us both in learning that Willian has a logo? I I, I, <laughs> I, I had no idea Willian had a logo. I just
1: assume that every professional athlete has a logo and a brand and someone who hands their marketing like every every professional athlete that earns more than a hundred thousand a week is, is has some kind of management team that's putting putting logos together
0: a classy classy statement that he put out there i really do appreciate the public relations aspect of a buffer don't say goodbye and hello simultaneously give me a week to grieve before the banter starts back up and i mean a loss in the fa cup final them signing our number 10 Plenty of banter advantage for kind of a banter club in Arsenal. But let's turn our attention to next season as we review this season. You've all seen the videos of Timo Werner out of practice, out of Cobham, with absolute worldies in the top 90.
1: I saw this one too that Hakim Ziyech played and like played it, placed it perfectly in the top corner. I'm like, I get to watch this next year? Let's go. Like yeah. Hakim Ziyech training videos, all about it.
0: Yeah, it's it's when I tell you that they're adding a Timo Werner, Hakim Ziyech, that Christian Pulisic. That Christian Pulisic. The Kai Havertz that I just saw in Europa. Maybe. We'll get into that Twitter transfer drama with Kai Havertz. Maybe, maybe Kai Havertz, but he looks like an absolute gamer. Man, Chelsea, to finish top four with the squad that they had, some aging players, some decisions that they made to not bring... Look, Pedro and William, they wanted to be at Chelsea. Chelsea made a, a, a decision to move on, in, in William's case, not offer him an extra year And not break the policy. Might that come back to bite Chelsea? Time will tell. But that's good news for Callum hudson Doy's future with Chelsea. And it seemed as though, at least for a half, he was seizing that opportunity. Because there are going to be opportunities here. And Frank Lampard has proven that he will play the players that impress the most at training. And he has said as much. With a young team, everything is up for grabs. Hopefully this team stays hungry. I'm really excited about the future. We've gone at that ad nauseum here on Chelsea Miked Up. We'll get back to this episode of Chelsea Miked Up on the other side, and we'll get into all the exciting transfer rumors. We'll actually tackle the Declan Rice Mm. situation—a true blue potentially Mason Mount's best friend. How does he fit with Chelsea potentially as? The rumors continue to circulate and swirl around Declan Rice, a former Academy product. We'll finally have that debate here on Chelsea mic Up. And we'll take a private debate that Chris Whittingham and I were having over a group chat onto the podcast here on Chelsea mic Up. That's all coming your way next.
1: Watch every minute of
0: every match. Download The Fifth Stand, the official Chelsea app. Welcome back to Chelsea Miked Up. Remember, it's brought to you by the Fist Stand App, Chelsea's official app. Real exciting news for next week. It's a bit of an off season for Chelsea Miked Up, such that it is. It's it's not really long. I plan on going on vacation with Tammy Abraham and Fikayo Tomori and Christian Pulisic <laughs> with my shirt on, obviously in that <laughs> photo. By the way, Christian Pulisic has indeed gotten bigger. Yeah, but I know. I know Grant Wall was saying. I'm like, nah, that, that's just the jersey playing tricks on you optically. He's absolutely gotten thicker, heavier, and dude is ripped. I, I mean, soccer players, it's good for your body, huh? That cardio. <laughs> yeah,
1: I feel like every time I see a soccer player shirt, it's like, wow, well, you're in good shape. And it's like... Well, yeah, that's sort of the whole point of the sport is you have to be in good shape. Like, it would be kind of alarming if they didn't have six-pack abs, right?
0: Yeah. I think this year more than ever, I've sort of felt my age. I think it's the fact that I don't have all these life experience, going out, enjoying nightlife, traveling, all these things that keep you vibrant and young. So I am feeling my age a little bit, so much so that when I see vacation pics that are posted by Christian Polisic, I find myself getting mad. I'm like, put your shirt on. No one wants to see that. Put your shirt on. What are you showing off for? You're in a copper
1: tub in a private island this weekend. What are you jealous of?
0: Looking a hell of a lot worse than Christian Pulisic (laughs) did in that photo, by the way. My tattoo, I got it like two years ago. My tattoo looks already like in way worse condition than any of the tattoos on his body. Dude, it's just... Um, Never go... Never... Here's some advice. Try to avoid pandemics. In the future, (laughs) if, if you could... (laughs) nothing good comes from them nothing i mean i'm a better dad that there you go yeah a pandemic is a sneaky great time to raise a child and that's all i have to say in the pros column when it comes to a global (laughs) pandemic that features several people getting ill and possibly dying one positive thing is i'm not going to the bar late at night i'm actually being a good parent but outside of that my body has gone to all sorts of hell chris
1: well i do have a slight bit of envy as well that they get to go from England to an island off the coast of Greece without a travel restriction. I don't know if Mykonos would have us right now. There, there, there is also that distinction that I feel like, as you said, as long as we're taking notes for the next pandemic, let's try and figure this out a bit quicker as a
0: country. I'm here Googling Albania more than I did when I found out who the hell is Armando Brosia. So, I, yeah, just try to avoid pandemics at all costs. That being said, I already miss being able to watch Chelsea. I really do. I I miss Premier League football. I was so into the Premier League with the restart. And look, that fixture, in terms of output for Chelsea Mic'd Up, that was a little bit crazy. (laughs) I I could not possibly keep up with that output. But it was fun for a little moment in time to have game after game after game. It was fun for fantasy football as well. So next year we're going to have a lot of listeners because we're all expecting big things from Chelsea. They were able to finish top four. Massive for this club, massive for funds, for big transfers, big transfers that they are rumored to continue being associated with even after this Kai Havertz thing, which isn't officially done. There's all sorts of final negotiation going on between the clubs. Chris at time of recording, can you update our audience on the latest? Because I know many people probably just signed up for the free month of CBS All Access and finally got to see this player for the first time. And boy, did he get you excited.
1: Yeah, I, I watched that Bayer Leverkusen match uh, against Inter Milan with kind of basically Havertz cam for my eyes. I was just kind of following him everywhere he went. And the current status is that his season is over. So there was a thought that Havertz wanted the deal done before Europa League so that there was no risk of him getting hurt, and then now that the season is over, he has a two-week break, and the hope would be that you could get the situation sorted in the two-week break. He's apparently already agreed personal terms, which is salary with Chelsea, and the clubs just need to get together on the transfer fee. It's somewhere between 80 million and 90 million pounds. And they're negotiating over the payments and the fees and all this stuff. Now, the manager of Bayer Leverkusen, Peter Bosch, kind of joked that he was signing with this Dutch club that he that's kind of like his club in Holland. So I think even he's kind of in on the joke that at some point, Kai Havertz is going to go. And right now, Chelsea are the only club linked. So there is this kind of feeling of inevitability but as we've discussed many times with transfers you don't know it's done until the player is holding up the jersey
0: let's turn our attention to Jaden Sancho who is a player a lot of Chelsea fans ha- had eyes on and were hoping he could wear their shade of blue seems as though that's also a one club race right now with Manchester United although some very funny negotiating tactics are going on with Dortmund i'm not so envious right now of the Jaden Sancho chase because it looks like it's a bit of a headache
1: yeah, if you had asked me a week ago, I would have said this transfer is getting done. But there have been a couple of details that have come out. So one is that Jaden Sancho's contract was secretly extended. You never see this. But he's now he now has three years left on his contract. He's under contract with Dortmund until 2023. They gave him a pay bump and an extra year. So there was a thought that the pressure of his contract running down would lead Dortmund to sell him to Manchester United. And then the sporting director of Borussia Dortmund came, came out and said, he's our player. We're not thinking about selling the end now. The transfer window is open for a couple of more months. This is posturing. The other thing that's happened, too, is that both clubs have kind of distanced themselves from negotiating, at least in part because they're using an agent to negotiate the deal. Agents sometimes don't represent either player. They represent the negotiation, and it gives Mm -hmm. the club's kind of plausible deniability of, oh, no, we didn't put in an offer. No, you put an offer to the agent, and then the agent gave it to the club, and that go-between allows them to kind of distance themselves from it, but... As you said, United are really the only club that are in. Barcelona and Real Madrid do not appear to have the money to get this done, but I think Dortmund's stance will lead you to believe that they're going to play some hardball here, and we'll see if United fork over the floor. I think it's 120 million euros that Borussia Dortmund want.
0: Which leads me to my next topic of discussion before we get back to transfer rumors. Who would you rather be next season? Manchester United or Chelsea. Chris Whittingham, you and I were on opposite sides of this discussion. It's not just because you're neutral and shame on you for backing another <laughs> Manchester club. So you would rather be Manchester United, even though they finished level on points with mm-hmm. Chelsea, the advantage obviously being goal difference. And look, Chelsea could have done something about that Manchester United up until that FA Cup semifinal that erased all the demons Manchester United had Frank Lampard's number here at Chelsea. I say here at Chelsea because Frank Lampard obviously eliminated them last year from a cup competition. But many people might side with you because, look, in the attack, that is as formidable as any team in Europe. For whatever reason, they haven't been able to put it together. They spent a lot of money on that back line and still defensive woes. They have their own Spanish keeper drama with David De Gea. We'll see what happens with Henderson coming back from loan, certainly worthy of being a first teamer. But let me make my case for Chelsea before you counter sure. my argument. Finish level on points. I think I'd much rather have Frank Lampard than Oli. I think in that last matchup, you saw Frank Lampard absolutely outmanage Oli Gunnar Solskjaer in a matchup of tacticians, right? And Chelsea were level on points. As formidable as that attacking side is, Chris, they did this with duct tape. They did this with who's the striker in form now? Isn't Golo Kante healthy? No, probably not. Which Christian Pulisic are we going to get? Still somehow found a way to be level on points. And now you have the signings of Werner, Ziek, possibly Havertz, that Christian Pulisic. And all of a sudden, we all know Chelsea are going to be a lot better than the point total they put up this year. With Manchester United, I still have loads of questions about their inconsistency that they didn't clear up for me at all post restart Chris
1: and also you look at their result in the Europa League against Copenhagen needing to go to extra time and you know almost being denied by this incredible goalkeeping performance now my my pretext in the group chat was that if they get Sancho then I I would because if the debate was outside of Liverpool and City who do you want to be next season and to me I just look at United yes Chelsea are bringing in all these players but they theoretically have not proved themselves in the Premier League versus Bruno Fernandes was a big money signing and completely changed the club. The difference between pre-Bruno and post-Bruno is incredible for Manchester United. Mason Greenwood is really starting to establish himself as a top, top level goal scorer. I think in terms of young prospects between the two clubs, he's probably the player you'd most want to have. Anthony Martial, proven 20 goal scorer in the Premier League. Paul Pogba, I think, is, can be a good player on his day. And then you go back... And Harry Maguire, inconsistent, but I think he's the best defender of the two teams with David De Gea they have a goalkeeper that I think can. You could at the have stopped least... there.
0: you could have stopped there with David De Gea they have a goalkeeper
1: <laughs> no but <laughs> I mean he had he had a really down season and deservedly got criticism but he's at least proven it at Premier League level that he can be the best keeper in the league and if that doesn't work they've got Dean Henderson waiting in the wings for free they haven't they don't have to make a transfer for goalkeeper so as things currently stand if United added Sancho I would say United have a better outlook towards next season but obviously given the transfer market still to come that can change
0: but I'm thoroughly changing the Chelsea side, and I'm just marginally changing. The Manchester United side. I think Pogba is probably the odd man out, just because he seemed as though he might be on the outs from that club. And Mason Greenwood is absolutely a brilliant young player. Many people might agree with you. However, not many Americans might agree with you, Chris. <laughs> where are you keeping that passport? <laughs> Chuck that thing the <laughs> f- out of the window. What are the what are the hell are you doing? Taking Mason Greenwood? I mean, he might even play for a Concacaf rival in Jamaica. I uh, haven't read the headlines. <laughs> You're taking him over Christian Pulisic? The Christian Pulisic post restart? Are you mad? Are you mad?
1: <laughs> yeah, you know what? I, 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 did not dis- I did not account for that in my uh, figuring this, this thing out. But, uh, by the way, with Bruno, after he joined, they didn't lose in the Premier League. Nine wins, mm. five draws. Zero losses mm. in the Premier League. So, like, they've, yeah. they've really
0: improved their form. And but there was one loss in the FA Cup semifinal. cup competition, Yes. Yes. And VAR was very kind to them. And you'd like to think maybe, look, these are not things that carry over year over year. They might benefit just as much next year from VAR. And I have no idea how we're going to overhaul the VAR system because... It's supposed to be clear and obvious. Another talking point that we've covered a bunch here, but this whole like toenail over the line, that doesn't really impact the play. We got to tighten that up. Manchester United benefited more than anybody. Chelsea's luck, not so great as recently as the second leg in the Champions League against Bayern Munich. But I'd rather be Chelsea. The goalkeeping situation, you got to think, is going to be much better next season, regardless of who's in between. The pipes for Chelsea, they can't be that bad again. The back line, another year, another year of the system, another year of coaching, another year of knowing your personnel, even if it doesn't change year over year. And the expectation is there are going to be some changes made. I think Chelsea had a much higher ceiling. They've added to their, to their team, whereas Sancho, who is a great player, who took Christian Pulisic's spot over at Dortmund, with good reason, was a better player on form at the time. Yes, tremendous player. It's going to stink watching him play for Manchester United. But that's just one improvement that they're making to their team. If Henderson comes in there, might be a push, might be advantage Hendo. We'll see. But Chelsea, with how they can address their goalkeeping, with bringing in Werner, Ziyech, possibly Havertz, with health and fitness, hopefully, to players like N'Golo Conte if he's still here, Christian Pulisic. Man, I I, th- I think Chelsea are better position. But it's good banter and... Uh, Look, I think we can all agree the top four is going to be a lot more tight than it was this past year in terms, and we might actually get a proper Premier League title chase this year. That'd be great, and I
1: think that really depends, though, on the strength of the rest of the league getting better, because ultimately, what you feel frustration when you're watching a title race last year, even when City was strong, it's 98 points to City, 97 to Liverpool. Those are astronomical numbers. Really, the only way for the title race to be close is if it's, you know, between 88 and 83, and all four teams can kind of get into that range, but that depends on you know the Burnleys of the world and the Crystal Palaces of the world and and the mid level teams getting points off the big teams and that's what we just di- don't see. Liverpool haven't dropped any results against those teams except for that one that one off loss to Watford this past season. Otherwise, it was the big teams that kind of did them. So I just think that ultimately it's that consistency against lower level teams for a team like Chelsea to improve and for a team like Liverpool to get worse.
0: I'm still so mad at you for picking Greenwood over Pulisic. I hope <laughs> I hope you never see an eagle. I hope you never get to know what a Rocket's Red Glare is. I I wish nothing but the worst for you. You work on a Chelsea podcast. Even if it's a toss-up, you go American. Always. And your CONCACAF card. I mean, the side project of CONCACAF (laughs) mic'd up. Well, actually, he might be a CONCACAF player when this is all said and done. So maybe... Maybe maybe you're actually doing all right in your Concacaf points.
1: We should tell the audience that uh, Jamaica is interested in in making bids to bring in Mason Greenwood and a couple of other Premier League players that have the dual citizenship. Like I think Mason Holgate was another who wouldn't likely get into the England squad, so come play for Jamaica. Uh, and they're going to go for Mason Greenwood. He's not going to be a Jamaican national team player, I don't think.
0: But God, I uh, hope
1: so. so. Uh, it would be amazing. Can you imagine that? Like that would make the away trips for the USA to this uh, track stadium. <laughs> in 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 Jamaica with a terrible pitch. It would just be glorious for Mason Greenwood just be bossing it.
0: Yeah, it would be hilarious. All right, let's talk about the Chelsea squad because we talked about possible improvements. They can make a couple of rumors that made me perk up a little bit because... This is a player you know who my favorite goalkeeper in the Premier League is Casper Schmeichel. I'm mm. a huge fan of him, and I know all the rage is playing the ball with your feet. And I'm like, just get me someone who can make a spectacular save, Casper <laughs> Schmeichel. I know he's up there, Chelsea and Manchester United. That's a weird one, I guess, because of his dad, Peter Schmeichel, the the Manchester United legend. But Casper Schmeichel, some possibly flimsy. If you investigate this, but look, Chelsea obviously in the market for a goalkeeper. Kasper Schmeichel, to me, has always been the perfect candidate because we have this world-class academy. There's got to be a great keeper. Bolka was, I thought, a mistake in letting go. He went to PSG. He could have made some contributions on the team this year. There's gotta be some great academy products out there that just need a couple more seasons of marinating. Who better in the Premier League to bridge this gap than Kasper Schmeichel? You can be a great goalkeeper in the Premier League well into your upper 30s, hell, even forty. God knows some Americans have played there to to their pushing 40. So Casper Schmeichel, I think you could do a hell of a lot worse. I am such a big fan of this player.
1: And by the way, you talk about the playing out with your feet. He doesn't really have... To me, one of the concerns about bringing in a Dean Henderson or a Nick Pope is that they play in teams where... It's just launched the ball at the pitch. And, like, football, football reference has stats that keep track of these kinds of things. Kasper Schmeichel can play—I think it's seventh most playing out from the back in the Premier League. So it's decent, right? He can fit into the system. The one thing is always the age, right? And and Chelsea just don't really sign 32-year-olds, you know, and and spend money for 32-year-olds for a couple of seasons. They did with Giroud. That's probably the la- the most recent example where they spent a decent amount of money on it. But I think if you had a keeper waiting in the wings that you knew and and had identified— That would be one thing, but I do think they kind of need a six- or seven-year option, a 24-, 25-year-old that's kind of in his prime to fix his goalkeeping problem. To me, the answer has always been Onana from Ajax, uh, just because he's in that perfect age, the price that's been quoted is not that expensive, and I think you get a really good goalkeeper. But look, if you got Casper Schmeichel for three years, I think you could do a hell of a lot worse.
0: Proven Premier League commodity and the rare occasion which... You make two deals for goalkeepers, one to bring one back and the other potentially if this is at all true and this is all gossip that we're having fun with. You somehow get six years younger at the goalkeeper <laughs> position because, yeah, well, he's 32. We saw Willie Caballero make some absolute contributions to this club at the age of 38. It is a position that you can age gracefully in. And Kasper Schmeichel, I think, has plenty of years left and proven commodity in the Premier League. Onana, while well, it's going to be a fun name to put to Rihanna's songs if he does anything <laughs> whatsoever... I still haven't seen enough from the player because I don't watch that league enough. I was impressed at times in Champions League, can't lie. And every player that comes from that IX system seems to be delivering. Um, actually, I can't say that. Some mixed results this past year. However, ZX looks like it's going to be a great promising signing. And I'm doing that just based off of highlight clips that they put out on Chelsea <laughs> FC. Uh, let's talk about Declan Rice because this is an interesting one because you look at his DNA you see Chelsea DNA. You see the relationship with Mason Mount. Obviously impressive in his matchups with Chelsea this year. And as the the rumors started swirling around Declan Rice, I was paying a little bit more attention to this player understanding his Chelsea roots and I realized some mighty good midfielder that West Ham have. The rumored price 50 million pounds looks worth it. Obviously has improved tremendously down at West Ham. But we obviously have a bit of a log jam over at Chelsea at the midfield, and many have pegged Declan Rice as a center back. That's extending an awful lot of trust to this player because he's only played that position how many times this season, Chris? Once. <laughs> a, a full once?
1: once. Yeah, yeah. West Ham have, have uh, entirely applied him as a holding midfielder, feeling that they're stronger in that position. Now, it is a little bit different playing as a holding midfielder for David Moyes than it is playing as a center back for Chelsea. In some respects, those two tasks are the same because David Moyes keeps the game in front of him for the most part. They're fairly defensive. He has had to do a lot of defending, but it is ultimately putting a lot to at, you know, this level, I mean, going from West Ham to Chelsea is already a big enough jump to then learn a new position while doing it. Now he has center back experience, maybe not this year, but in the past. But I just think Again, at this level, Chelsea are talking about competing the highest levels of the Champions League to win titles. It is a risk to bring a player over. Yes, he's 21 and has all kinds of developing to do, but it is a risk to change a position at this point when already the back four is already in such flux, right? Like they've changed and they've tried to figure out the best combinations and I don't even think by the end of the season they had fully figured it out. So to add yet more, if you had kind of dropped him into 2008 Chelsea and said you know, fit into this back four. Okay, he can figure out next to John Terry and Ashley Cole and Bronislav Ivanovic. That's one thing. But in this back four, it's a little bit more of a hurdle.
0: Yeah, and at center back, at that price tag, you're hoping for someone to come in and be your best center back yeah. without much experience at that position. Now, here's what I will say, because I am also a little uneasy at that price tag, specifically at that position, a position he does not play. And I think the context is important. You correctly brought in how David Moyes uses him. However, if there were a club to know how he might perform as a center back because they had the experience scouting him as a youth, it's Chelsea. He's yeah. an academy product. Mason Mount's best friend. So keep in mind, there is a binder on Declan Rice and Chelsea's binder is massive. Before we share in detail what's coming the way of the listeners next week. I'm sure many of you noticed what this is a reaction episode, but it's not an immediate reaction episode. Where's the guest? We'll hold them back on the guests this week because next week we're going to share with you some highlights of the season here on Chelsea mic Up. And many of those revolve around our brilliant guest list. Because we're the official Chelsea podcast, we've had access to some tremendous guests. And we'll give you a hint at this episode's end as to what you can expect on next week's episode. But let's go through some of the highlights of the season and some of the awards. We'll get the final Chelsea mic Up votes. Young player of the season, the nominees came in Chris Whittingham for the Premier League Young Player of the Year. The nominees are Jack Grealish, Trent Alexander-Arnold, Mason Greenwood, the aforementioned possibly Jamaican Mason Greenwood, Dean Henderson, who we've already covered, Anthony Martial, who I feel like I've been watching play for five years, so (laughs) credit to him for still being a young man and making me hate myself every time I go to Instagram. Mason Mount, (laughs) Christian Pulisic, and Marcus Rashford, who's another player that I'm just astonished is qualified as a young player to me this one's pretty cut and dry I already fought on behalf of Christian Pulisic in the Christian Pulisic v Greenwood debate however that is not the same as Pulisic v TAA and I think for me this one's easy TAA he honestly was my player of the season just period not even taking age into regard so young player of the season is a slam dunk for me Chris
1: revolutionizing a position and changing the game really I think Liverpool, you can say they have the best blank in the Premier League at four or five different positions. Goalkeeper, left back, centre back, right back. And maybe one of those front three, I think, would probably fit as one of the best attacking players. And Trent Alexander-Arnold is a huge part of that. If this were the post-restart award, I'd give it to Christian Pulisic. But for the season, it's definitely Trent. But you look at that full kind of uh, list of players, most of them are young and English. And that is kind of the amazing thing from an England national team perspective. They've got an incredible future.
0: Yeah, the most recent World Cup kind of holds up a mirror to what this year was for Chelsea Football Club, counting on the English youth, a transitional year where you sort of outperform many of the expectations and you have loads of excitement for the future Frank Lampard got nominated for manager of the season and look I've been on the opposite side of the banter where people tell me he had six less points than uh, Maurizio Sarri who recently got let go so he didn't impress over there a divisive football figure it'll be interesting to see where Sarri lands Chris because this is a manager that very clearly needs time for his system to marinate and if he keeps going to big clubs he's not going to be afforded that time I just don't think he's a big club manager. Like, I think he's that next level
1: below. I I really enjoyed his style of play at Napoli, but very clearly with Chelsea and with Juventus, he wasn't able to implement it. And so if you can't get your message across to big players, you can't manage big clubs. And so I wouldn't be surprised if he ends up at a Lazio or Roma, a club like that where you're not going to have quite those sides of character. Like, you're not going and managing Ronaldo. You're not going and managing Hazard. You're not coming into established winning locker rooms that know what they want. And I just think that's what his next step has to be.
0: He was replaced by a former club legend with not a lot of coaching experience. Sound familiar? Maurizio, New York City FC. Wow, what a coaching academy they have over there. Frank (laughs) Lampard and now Andrea Pirlo. But Frank Lampard finds himself on this list alongside Brendan Rodgers, who I'm not fancying his chances considering the finish that Leicester had. Jurgen Klopp. Who might be the odds-on winner here, and Chris Wilder, who might be a, a sneaky underdog in this role. Chris, who is your pick for manager of the season? It's got to be Jurgen Klopp. I mean, this is the Liverpool season.
1: It will be remembered as the year they finally won the Premier League. They won it going away. This is his reward for years' worth of building infrastructure, nailing signings, developing players, and right now having one of the best squads in all of Europe. So I think this, has, this is definitely the Klopp award. Brendan Rodgers, if the season ended in January, would have had a real chance to get this award just because Leicester finishing in third when they weren't fancied to do so has been incredible. And Chris Wilder, Sheffield United, who would have had them with a top 10 finish before everyone had them relegated and they finished ninth? I mean, it's incredible what they accomplished, but this is definitely Klopp's.
0: I saw the goal of the season nominees put out on social media. All tremendous goals, obviously. Was upset that Tamori's goal against Wolves wasn't on there. I think it got robbed. Son, for me, that miraculous run, unbelievable goal. That's a clear winner. KDB, silver and bronze for me. I think we have some consensus here on Chelsea Mike Depp. Let's push that aside because Tamori not being nominated is a travesty. Focus. I, I think Tamori. For both of us, is goal of the season, right?
1: Yeah, I, I mean, generally like to do like the team moves. I saw it today because I was looking up uh, Willian stuff that the goal of the season in 2018 was against Brighton. And it was all because it was this passing move. And then Hazard flicked it into Batchway. And then Batchway flicked it back to Willian and, then Willian. and it was like this weaving pattern. And it finished with Willian smacking it in the bottom corner. It's like, that's a goal of the season. But just long distance strike. And at a time in the season when an away win at Wolves by five goals to two would have been incredibly shocking. And that was kind of like the capper on this incredible performance. Definitely goal of the season for Chelsea. And I think you got Rob not being in that top eight for goal of the season in the Premier League.
0: All right. This one's going to be difficult because Chelsea had a lot of heart in your throat, chest pounding moments. Match of the season for Chelsea. I'm not saying performance of the season because I think you and I would both agree Perhaps the semifinal, most recently against Manchester United, was the best Chelsea had played all year. That's the performance of the season. But craziest match experience of the year for me, an Ajax Champions League yeah. tie, Chris. That was crazy. What was it? Eight goals, two men sent off in like one sequence of play? Jeez, <laughs> that game was insane. I remember
1: watching that game with you back when we could congregate, and, <laughs> and I was on my feet I'm the neutral observer. I was standing for the final 20 minutes. I was jumping up and down. That is everything you want out of a football match. For it to be a group stage match against Ajax. And by the way, you look back at that, at that moment as the moment when Hakim Ziyech announced himself to Chelsea. He scored an incredible goal in that game. Height of entertainment. Other candidates in the Premier League, you'd probably go for the 2 0 at Spurs. Now, I kind of wonder if our. That's a Chelsea Mike Dunn. Like, I know, I know, us. but like, do you think that the listener, maybe we should add tweet to us, like when, we, when you listen to this, was that game the same for you as it was for us? Because to us, it felt like this incredible moment, but I kind of wonder if it was just a game for the, for the listeners. But to me, it's like we were in the away end and it was so fun to be there and it felt so important. But I kind of wonder if that game lives on in the memory of, of, other, of Chelsea fans in the Premier League. There was that Arsenal away match as well.
0: I'm curious because in my WhatsApp groups, I got plenty of celebratory videos because not a lot of people, like it felt like we were kind of marching to the gallows a little bit there at Tottenham Hotspur, quite literally with all the ominous police horses around me. <laughs> it, was, it was just a, a, an eerie sight, and it was unexpected. And yes, we were absolutely there for that match, and I will remember that experience forever. William hates Tottenham. I can still hear the the Chelsea supporters singing in that away stand. Uh man, very bad, poorly designed away stands. If you don't want them making noise pre-match <laughs> and post-match with all those <laughs> aluminum signs there, yeah, man, it got loud. Uh, for me, obviously, that felt special. Let us know actually in the ratings, whatever your platform is of choice. If you're on Apple Podcasts, leave us a review right now. Tell us your favorite Chelsea match of the season and why. We'll read some of those as we gear up for the next season. One thing I wanted to cover here, Chris, is I thought CBS did a really good job on short notice covering Champions League football. As I told you, I saw it from a copper tub overlooking the ocean, <laughs> but I was very happy with And I think this is an upgrade over BR. It just seems as though BR was just trying to do too much and make it, they were catering to maybe fringe fans a little bit too much and people that really desperately wanted to see Sue Holden's ankles. I'm not exactly <laughs> sure what that experience is. I, I do know that I will remember it for quite some time. But this was back to basics. It reminded me a lot of the World Cup ESPN coverage, which I think we all agree is a holy grail of coverage. And I do want to give them some love here because there's some sound I want to play because they spoke about Kai Havertz on the CBS coverage. Here is sound of Raphael Honigstein on CBS talking about how Havertz will dominate German football. He's the outstanding player, maybe not just off this Leverkusen team, but maybe out of his generation, as far as the talent is concerned. Oh. He is going to be the guy, I think, who will dominate German football in the next 10 years. And He's that talented, which explains why Chelsea... Will he and, still be in Germany, though, Rafa? Well, Chelsea are Chelsea, trying, trying yeah. very hard to sign him, uh, but Leverkusen are trying very hard not to let him go for too little because they feel whatever price we ask for now, maybe in two years' time, will look stupid because yeah. he's going to be so... So good. And hopefully he also dominates the Premier League. A big player. Man, those lanky frames. He's tall. He uh, kind of looks like Zidane a little bit. With the ball at his feet, uh, you can't help but salivate over this player. And he's incredibly versatile. A tremendous offensive weapon. We don't really know where he's going to play for Chelsea. We can't say with certainty. And that doesn't scare me off in the least. This actually is great for Frank Lampard if he can get him in the fold. Because rotationally... You're not as threatened by a player that can play all over the field. It gives relief to players as Chelsea are obviously going to be playing in Europe once again, because super Frank Lampard did it. That's right. Chelsea (laughs) fans. If there is one thing I can leave you with at this season's end is we got through it. We survived our Europa league manager, leaving us for Juventus and then promptly getting sacked because he did the same bleep. And, we survived. Eden Hazard leaving, chasing his dream. He left on great terms with Chelsea. He left the European champion once again. Went to Real Madrid. Honestly, kind of bummed it in. Go so well for Eden Hazard over there. Although, thankful that he won La Liga because a little bit more money for Marina. And we survived the injuries not just uh, Ruben Loftus-Cheek and Callum Hudson-Odoi, but the injuries to Christian Pulisic, who was a great player for this club, Colo Kante, injuries to Rudiger and Zuma, which might have affected their play this season, Chris. Injuries to Tamori, we mentioned that goal. He all of a sudden fell out of fitness and out of form, and we haven't really seen what lies ahead for Tamori. We saw the the star streaking across the sky. That was Tammy Abraham's Late October and November, can he be that kind of player? How will he respond to the likes of Timo Werner? Timo Bleepin, Werner is coming to this club. Hakeem Ziyech, you mentioned how he announced himself to Chelsea fans in that epic Champions League match. I'm excited for the future of this club. And let me leave you with these comments that I'm going to read from a Chelsea mic'd up guest before Chris Whittingham tells you what's on deck for next week's episode. Bruce Buck, a great interview. An interview that we did when we were on that London trip where William once again proved that he hates Tottenham. Here's Bruce Buck's statement. In the round, we think it was a very successful season. I think obviously we would have been a little bit happier if we won the FA Cup, but I'm sure the manager and the players were gutted to not lift the trophy. That's good to hear if you're a Chelsea fan, folks. Frank Lampard is a very positive force for Chelsea. He's Chelsea through and through, and that continues the show through. He carries a lot of credibility, and it's an exciting time for Chelsea. That's the nuts and bolts of it, folks. It's an exciting time to be a Chelsea supporter. Imagine not being Chelsea. Chris, tell the fans what they can expect next week because we've had a lot of new listeners join in post-restart. A lot of Christian Pulisic fans go out and seek the club that he plays for and dominates on. Tell the people what they can expect next week because I think it's going to be a nice little treat to some of our newest listeners.
1: Well, we're still culling together the interview list because we have so many to choose from, but throughout the course of the year, we got the chance to talk to Christian Pulisic. Guarantee you'll be hearing from him next week, our interview that we did with him in December. We talked to Reese James. We talked to Tammy Abraham. We talked to Billy Gilmore. We talked to the U.S. Men's National Team Manager, Greg Burhalter You mentioned we talked to the chairman, Bruce Buck. I imagine clips from that interview will be included. I've got some work to do in editing to figure out which interviews I'm going to include because there are so many good ones to choose from, from the course of the year. And just to get My final thoughts. You mentioned it's a great time to be a Chelsea fan. It's a great time to be an American Chelsea fan. I don't feel like in our kind of end of season wrap up, we didn't hype just how important those last ten games were for Polisic. Now, Frank Lampard did come out and say he might not be ready for the start of next season with the hamstring injury, but all in all, it's so important that he hit the ground running post restart and had a two really good periods of the season where you know he's locked in to be a
0: permanent part of the rotation next year. Three to six weeks, the official timeline, which if it's three weeks, he's ready if it's closer to the 6 weeks not ready for the start and i think i speak for both of us take your time we yeah. want a fully fit christian pulisic out there and obviously when you're going through those interviews you got to go with our first ever interview with ashley cole yes because that was phenomenal recalling that penalty that he took a brilliant penalty really forgotten in that in that wonderful game that 2012 final in munich which is a match in munich that i'd much rather be talking about Ashley Cole, and Petr Cech. Petr Cech going through his penalty save in that Champions League final. An absolute treat for any Chelsea fan coming your way next week. That's going to be it for us here on Chelsea Miked Up. Until we preview the new season and maybe celebrate a signing or two, Chris Whittingham. Can't believe you picked Mason Greenwood over Christian Pulisic. <laughs> I can't, just, it, I'm, you're the biggest U.S. men national team I'm gonna fan. I'm going to regret I that know. one. No dare you how i'm gonna just dis- i'm gonna di- i'm
1: gonna disconnect from the zoom and put my head in my hands
0: i'm gonna regret that one. Oh my <laughs> god purple mountains they're majestic <laughs> I, how could you do this to your country amber chris. waves of grain <laughs> the amber waves <laughs> And you not seen them chris whittingham our neutral observer will be back as will i till we speak again up the chills